Why is it so hard for us to avoid temptation? When God has given us so many good things, why do we always gravitate toward that which he said not to do? Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, and the president of Dayspring Bible College in Mundelein, Illinois. Hi, this is Jim Scudder, and you're listening to In Grace on this Wednesday, August 23rd. Uh, yeah, we're getting near the end of summer, but this is some of the best time of the year. Why? Because it's time to harvest the garden. Uh, start to get those beautiful tomatoes, those really red ones. In about a month now, my wife and I have been picking tomatoes. We have a couple planter boxes that I built and we have two big tomato plants on one. And on the other one, we have a variety. I love the poblano peppers. So they're, they're to me, the perfect blend of hot and flavor. It's not too hot. So I love poblano. I think we have some jalapeno on there. And then Karen has some other, I think she planted some lettuce and stuff. And this is the time when we're bringing in from the garden, especially those really, really beautiful red uh, vine-ripened tomatoes. You cannot buy that in the store hardly, and uh, it's the best time of year. Speaking of gardens, today I'm going to be preaching a message called The Bible's Four Gardens, which are you. And we're going to talk about the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Sin, the Garden of Gethsemane, the Garden of Agony, the Garden of Golgotha, the Garden of Triumph, and the Garden of Paradise, the Garden of Eternity. And, and we're going to look at these four today and tomorrow and understand that there are these four gardens in the Bible, and they all come back to where we are at. You know, the Garden of Eden was right, and everything was good, and, and, and it didn't take long, and Adam and Eve sinned. Our, our grandparents, and because of that, we all have sinned. We've all been born with it. And then we see all the problems in our world and all the sorrow and heartache and, and fentanyl overdoses and changing the definition of marriage and gender and all these crazy things that are happening and all the pain in this world. It's because of that, the Garden of Sin. And then Gethsemane, where Jesus went to fight the battle of becoming sin. And of course, he said yes to the Father and went to Golgotha, the, the cross, and then put into a tomb in a garden, and that's the garden tomb, and then he rose again, and that gives us access to the garden of paradise, this eternal place where everything will be made right as it was originally in the garden of Eden. So we're going to talk about that today and go through these four things and find out where you are and which garden you're in. This comes from a series of messages that I preached on what we call Celebration Sunday at Quint Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois. It's a Sunday that we theme three or four times a year to try to bring in lost people to witness water baptism or baby dedication and we want to bring in people that don't know Christ. We usually have a meal after these messages, but these are very evangelistic messages, and we're going to be doing this for the next several weeks, and this is a great time for lost people to hear the gospel on the radio or podcast, or for you, if you're saved, if you've already put your faith in Jesus Christ, for you to rejoice in your salvation, to be excited again about what God has done for you, and then maybe use some of these themes to share the gospel with other people. 
So I'm excited about this series and uh, today's message, The Bible's Four Gardens. Just before we get into the message, let me remind you that on Wednesdays, In Grace is on television nationwide on the Trinity Broadcasting Network. In the evening on Wednesday nights, you can watch In Grace. And tonight on TBN, you're going to watch Discover Hidden Israel 2, the third part, which is looking for ancient Micmash. I've never seen anyone else do this on television. So I take my archaeologist friend, Dr. Scott Stripling, and together we go and try to find this really unique place that the Bible describes where Jonathan, the son of Saul, tried to find a way to defeat the Philistines at Michmash. And so we go and try to find that, and I think we might have found it. And it's a really exciting story, especially knowing that this tactic was used again in World War One, and to defeat the, the Turks there in the final pocket of resistance in Palestine. So really exciting. I hope you watch In Grace tonight on TBN or anytime on YouTube, by the way. You go to YouTube and just search for In Grace. Once you find In Grace, hit the subscribe button. That way, every time there's a new one, it'll be right there. And then get alerted to the new ones. Every time there's a a new one that comes out, you'll get a notification. So hit that alert button, that bell. And then if you like it, do a thumbs up on that video. And then the more people that subscribe and like and get alerts to In Grace, the more people that YouTube feeds it to. And the more people hear the gospel because the gospel's on every episode. So watch us on TBN, watch us on YouTube. We have a Roku channel, and I hope that you're blessed by In Grace Television. How many of you consider yourself, in some respect, a gardener? How many of you like to, once a year, plant something? How many of you like to weed water? (laughs) It's actually very hard to know weeds from plants. Did you know that? A lady hired me when I was young, a young teenager, and she asked me to pull her weeds. And I cleared that whole thing out. It was perfect, not anything growing at all. She wasn't happy. Do you know how to tell the difference between a valuable plant and a weed? If you'll pull on it, if it comes out easily, it's a valuable plant. Okay, so that's how you know. You know what else is interesting? Your lawn might be bare and barren, not a green thing growing, but that grass still will grow in the worst of droughts in the paver stone cracks on your sidewalk. It's incredible, the resilience of that stuff, as long as it's within the crack of a paving stone. Uh, What about some of the things you like to grow? A popular thing these days is the garlic diet. How many of you have heard of the garlic diet? You actually don't lose weight, but you look thinner because your friends are always standing at a distance from you. So it's a good thing to grow. Also, pumpkins. Then if you take the circumference of a pumpkin and divide it by its diameter, you get pumpkin pie. That's one of those long-grown, spell it, P-I. You get it. Anyways, gardening is hard. takes a lot of watering. Most of the watering that I give my garden is perspiration. It's just unbelievable how much work it takes to keep a garden nice. But we all like gardens. I think we could all say... We like gardens. We don't maybe like to garden, but we like to relax and enjoy the beauty and the tranquility of a beautiful space. 
a garden that has been tended and well cared for, and it really is a thing of beauty. It's a thing that will provide a lot of enjoyment and rest and relaxation. And when we come to the scripture, we actually find in the Bible four distinct gardens, and I believe those gardens will represent where you are today. I believe that we are in one or more of these gardens here today, and we're going to start just like the Bible does in Genesis. So let's look over in Genesis at the first garden, which is the Garden of Eden, and uh, we will call it the Garden of Sin, although it wasn't created to be the Garden of Sin. It was created to be, and it was, a, a garden of perfection, a garden of completeness, a garden that definitely required work, but not the work that we know today, because part of the hard work that we have to do these days is a result of the curse of sin, which happened there in the garden. But when God created the world, he created this beautiful, perfect garden. And Genesis 1.31, it tells us that when God saw everything he had made, he said it was very good. I think we can look around today and look at the world and say, we cannot say that about the world today. And the problems that we have today are all based on original sin and sin that is committed. Unfortunately, we live in a sin-cursed world. We live in a garden that has been cursed by sin. But originally, he created something that was very good. In the next chapter in Genesis chapter 2, the Bible tells us about the Lord in verse 8, planting a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So there's a lot of trees, there's a lot of beauty, there's a lot of fruit, and the nice thing is God did the work. God planted everything, and therefore it's just a beautiful place called Eden. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. What an amazing place the Garden of Eden must have been. And I think back to what that must have looked like, felt like. Look at uh, chapter 2, verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. So there's this beautiful place that God created. God takes the man and puts it in the garden. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou may eat freely, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. See, we were created to live forever. Our soul and spirit will live forever, not on this earth, because one day our body will die. That's the unfortunate reality of life. Because God put this clear statement, you can eat of every tree, but this one don't eat of it. Now, wouldn't that be... Okay, no big deal. We have thousands and thousands of trees to enjoy and to eat of. Why is it so hard for us to avoid temptation? When God has given us so many good things, why do we always gravitate toward that which he said not to do? But that is how it is. And unfortunately, we find that there was sin in the garden. In Genesis 3, verse 8, it tells us that God would walk with them, Adam and Eve, in the garden. It says, in the garden, verse 8, in the cool of the day, walking in the garden with God. Wow. 
That must have been sweet. That must have been beautiful. That must have been restful. That must have been so wonderful. You're literally walking in the garden in the cool of the day with Almighty God. Well, the rest of that verse says, and Adam and his wife hid themselves. Why in the world would they hide themselves when God wanted to fellowship? God wanted to walk with them. God wanted to enjoy his creation that he made in his image. Why are they hiding? Well, all you have to do is look ahead a couple of verses. Look at verse 6 of Genesis 3. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. And she took the fruit thereof. She was deceived. Satan was there. He deceived her. She saw it. She desired it. It was pleasant. It was good. And she disobeyed God. You say, what's the big deal? Well, sin is a big deal, friends. Sin is a big deal. Until we get that, we will never really understand life and eternity and the rest of the gardens and what they're all about. This garden of sin, she gave also to her husband, and he did eat. He ate knowingly. They both sinned, and from that moment on, heartbreak, death, sorrow, disease, cancer, a plague, violence has come upon the world, and it's just a horrible, horrible sight to behold. Let me ask you, where are you today? Do you find yourself still in the garden of sin? If you do, let me encourage you. There's Hope for you, and that is John 8, 36 says, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. If you're in the garden of sin, you need freedom. You need redemption. You're bound by your sin. The penalty of sin is death. That's a second death. That's eternal hell. And we also have to face the consequences of sin. We need freedom from that. We need redemption. And there is redemption, and that comes in a different garden, and that's the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you want to explore the rich history and fascinating mysteries of the Holy Land? From the breathtaking landscapes to the hidden gems buried beneath the surface, Discover Hidden Israel 2 will transport you to places few have ever seen. With a gift of any amount to Ingrace, Jim Scudder will send you Discover Hidden Israel 2 as his heartfelt thank you. For a gift of $35 or more, you'll also receive two additional video series, Discover Hidden Israel 1 and 3. Call 800-78-GRACE or go to ingraceradio.com. If you want to take your exploration to the next level, with a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive Ingrace's entire Israel bundle, featuring a collection of eight captivating video series filmed in Israel. To get your hands on these incredible offers, call 800-78-GRACE, go to ingraceradio.com. Or write to Ingrace at P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. That's 800-78-GRACE or ingraceradio.com. The second garden we'll look at today, the Garden of Agony. I've been to a couple of these gardens in the Bible. I've been to this one. Literally, there is an olive tree garden on the Mount of Olives on the slope that faces the temple. And if you'll stand in the Garden of Gethsemane, you could look up and see what is today the Temple Mount, where the Dome of the Rock stands, but where the Jewish temple used to be. And the future temple will be. But you know what? It's still there. And these trees are so huge and gnarled. Olive wood, to me, is one of the most beautiful pieces of wood in the world. I'll take olive wood over any other wood because it has so much character. You know what made that character? Years and years of struggle and hardship and really agony. 
That's actually what the Garden of Gethsemane, it talks about it being the place of an olive press. Gethsemane is olive press. You know what happened in that Garden of Agony? Because of what happened in the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Sin, there had to be this garden, this Garden of Agony, and we read about that in Matthew 26. Before we read the verses, let me tell you that in another scripture, all four Gospels give us an account of the Garden of Gethsemane, but one of them says, and they went to the place that they often had been. So I would take from that that Jesus and his disciples frequented this olive garden, this olive tree garden in Jerusalem. I believe Jesus would often take them away from the city, the hustle and bustle, the urban life, and get them into a quiet place. We find that other places in Scripture. We don't read about them going to the Garden of Gethsemane, but it says that this was a place that they had been before. So I think that Jesus, in the cool of the day, took his disciples and had walks in the Garden of Gethsemane. My wife and I, our last trip to Israel, after the whole group had left, uh, we went and we walked around the Garden of Gethsemane. Just beautiful, just wonderful to see. But to realize what happened there, look at verse 38 in Matthew 26. Then saith he unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. This was when Jesus was about to be betrayed and arrested and tried and put on a cross, and he died that next day. How horrible, how horrible the moment was going to be. Yes, physical. He knew what was coming. He knew he would be beaten. He knew he would be spat upon. A crown of thorns pressed into his head. He knew that he would carry his cross. He knew he'd be nailed to a tree. He knew all of that. And that was certainly part of the agony in this garden. But you know what? That wasn't the worst of it. Why was it so hard? He was so exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. He says, tarry ye here. He was asking his disciples and then his inner circle to pray with him. This was the one time that they should have been awake and he went off a little farther in verse 39 and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. What is the cup? All the sorrow, all the agony, all the physical pain he was going to face? Sure. But that was not the half of it. What was the real agony? What was the real cup that he wanted to see if there was a way to have that pass from him? That cup was the fact that he was going to become sin, that he was going to take upon himself the sins of the world. Now, we just suffered a tragedy. The tragedy was in Las Vegas, a man that we just can't imagine the evil that would possess someone to go and to do what he did as he took guns that he converted into automatic weapons and just mowed down hundreds and hundreds of people, crowds of thousands over 50 died, 500 or more were injured. That sin, we can't even comprehend that sin, that heinous sin, that was in the cup. Hitler throwing people into ovens and to gas chambers by the millions, that was in the cup. 
that time that you lied to your parents, that might seem pretty small after the heinous crimes that I just mentioned, but you know what? Every sin is heinous to God. That was in the cup. The one time that you weren't kind to a colleague or you were basically not giving your full effort at work, that's a sin. That was in the cup. All of these things, all of these sins that we've committed, that was the cup. He said, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from it. Is there any other way for us to redeem mankind because God so loved the world? He is love. That sin in the garden was an affront to him because Adam and Eve sinned. Death has passed upon all of us. He could have just said, fine, it's their problem, not my problem. I created them. I gave them a choice to prove that they have free will. They blew it. But you know what? He loves you. And here we find him in this next garden in agony. If there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Do you know what he said at the end of that verse? Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. He knew this was the only way. God the Father, one God, triune God, God the Son said, your will be done. I'm going to do this. This happened three times. One of the times in Luke, Luke records this for us. In uh, chapter 22, verse 43, there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. This was the most physical, agonizing, anxious moment anyone's ever experienced in this garden. And God sent an angel. One man said it this way, and I think this is appropriate for you to write down and keep this somewhere to remember. He said, every life has its Gethsemane, and every Gethsemane has its angel. Have you found yourself in that garden of agony? No, it won't be anything like the agony that Jesus faced, but we still have agony in life, and we're still going to be pressed like an olive, and that olive has to be pressed in order for that oil to come out of that olive. And Jesus was in that garden, and he was being pressed, and this was the moment he was going to make the decision. And his decision was, it's not my will but thine. He was submitting when we blew it and we said, I'm not going to submit to God. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And I'm going to eat of that fruit. Act of rebellion. God came and showed us something that's amazing. And that is submission, obedience, even to death on a cross. This garden of Gethsemane, this garden of agony, you might find yourself in that garden today. But you know what? There's strength available. There's an angel for that garden. If you need it, my friend, I'm telling you, it's there. God will help you. And we'd love to pray with you and help you if you're in that garden of agony. And often we are. This is one of those things that is just part of the human condition. Uh, you can call us at 1-800-78-GRACE, 1-800-78-GRACE. If it's after hours, leave us a voicemail or go to ingraceradio.com anytime, ingraceradio.com. And there you'll find help if you are in 
the throes of agony and maybe something really heavy is upon your life and you just need to talk to someone, pray with someone, please contact us. And then tomorrow we're going to talk about the Garden of Triumph, which is Golgotha. And Jesus was buried right next to Golgotha in a garden area. And then the Garden of Paradise in eternity. So I'm excited about the four gardens of the Bible and I want to know which garden you are in. So don't forget to tune in tomorrow to our In Grace Radio Thursdays edition. And then don't forget we're also going to be sending a thank you for those of you that give any amount of money to Ingrace Radio. We're going to thank you by sending you a really powerful four-part video series filmed in Israel that we call Discover Hidden Israel 2. It's really wonderful video series, either DVD or digital download that I think will really bless you. We're going to send all three Discover Hidden Israel 1, 2, and 3 to those of you that can give a gift of $35 or more. And we're going to send you eight videos, including the Discover Hidden Israel series, to those of you that give a gift of $100 or more. We call that the Israel Bundle. And so we would love to hear from you right now. With a gift of any amount to In Grace, Jim Scudder will send you Discover Hidden Israel 2 as his heartfelt thank you. For a gift of $35 or more, you'll also receive two additional video series. And with a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive In Grace's entire Israel bundle, including eight video series filmed in Israel. Call 800-78-GRACE, go to ingraceradio.com, or write to In Grace at P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois. 60047. Thank you for joining us on In Grace Radio with Jim Scudder Jr. In Grace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio. Radio.